Welcome to the Love Is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, if you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Francesca Oddi, who is a mystic and speaker, host of the... the Hold on. The is it? It's the Astrology Podcast. I've written that down wrong, haven't I? Oddcast. I've already ballsed up, but here we go. Start again. No, we're going to keep going. Keep going. <laughs> We're going to keep going. The host of the Astrology Oddcast, consultant, researcher, and writer. She's written for Refinery29, Elle, The Telegraph, and Stylist Magazine. Now, as I was just saying to you, Francesca, before we pressed record, um, I'm a true beginner at astrology. Like, I literally know about this. I'm an astrolo- I'm an astrologist. No, I'm definitely not. I'm an Aquarius, and my fiancé is a Leo. I believe that an Aquarius is an air sign, although I thought it was water sign up until <laughs> earlier when I was Googling it. <laughs> and Leo, I believe, is a fire sign. That's about it. But before we delve into astrology and, you know, what I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode for is basically, okay, I just want to know um, how does, you know, this, per- how do I know which is the right sign for me, which is something that you mentioned on your podcast. Like I, the, the extent of my I guess I want to say interest in astrology, if I'm completely honest so far. I know that this conversation is going to be really enlightening for me, and I think it's going to open up a whole new world for me. But my interest in astrology sort of was limited to, you know, like the Evening Standard paper and the Metro in London. Well, it's a free paper for anyone who doesn't know. And I would just sort of turn to the back immediately and just look at, like, read my star sign. And then I would read the guy who I fancied star sign as though it was somehow going to say you know, you need to go and tell Persia Lawson how wonderful she is and how in love with her you are. Like, I, that that was it. That was what I was always looking for. Obviously, I never quite said that, but I found a way to read between the lines. So <laughs> I'm really fascinated. Francesca, how did you get into this work in the first place? I was, you know, always into astrology, a bit like you, checking out the boys, checking what was going on. And I, because I really remember dates so all my boyfriends and best friends you know I'd be checking them all through school and then by the time I was 19 I was like there's a pattern here I, I'm I, the, the boys I dated had like the same birthday or one day apart so already that kind of was like hmm interesting I went to live in Italy and the Italians were quite into astrology a bit more than us so they all know their rising sign so then I found out rising signs and found out all the people I were close to were rising Scorpio like all of them and that blew my mind. And then, so if I ever felt an attraction to someone, like, you know, for anyone that had ever intrigued me, I'd then be able to work backwards and be like, I bet you're writing Scorpio because they seem to be the only people that I'm interested in. And then I was able to like meet strangers and be like, you were born at 3 p.m. Go and check. 
And then I could do that. And then, so then I was just obsessed, Google, Google, Google. And when I was 29, like the day of my Saturn return, for people who know what that is, we can talk about it if maybe this time. And I met a psychic at a networking event. I was doing property insurance and we were like chat 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 and she told me all this stuff she knew the name of my boyfriend's sister my best friend and all this stuff blew my mind we went to go and get our coats afterwards I asked her when her birthday was and I said were you born at 8 p.m rising you know was she rising Scorpio and she was like yes how do you know I was like I've just got this thing with people are rising Scorpio and she was like you're an astrologer you've been an astrologer in all your past lives and this is what you're going to do and you're going to write books I just got shivers I love that. I love that. That is a bloody great story. Oh my gosh. Fascinating. I'm already, can I just say, I love that I opened this episode with, I've not really been interested in astrology, but I actually now am from that. Like beyond reading your boyfriend's or your the guy who fancies horoscope in the evening standard. Like I that has blown my mind because I'm really fascinated by people's gifts and intuitive gifts and all of that sort of thing. So I love that. Okay. So I read on your website something earlier that um, I love. And you said, uh, I'm often asked, when will I meet someone? And I will never limit you with an answer. I prefer to help you love yourself as much as you would love a partner. Bloody love that. I want you to be the best version of yourself, happy, secure, and full of love, life, and purpose. That's how the alchemy, I can't say this word, alchemical? Alchemical. Alchemical. Thank God you're here. Potential (laughs) of astrology will enable you to draw useful life experiences and people towards you. I I literally, by the way, I have not stopped having shivers since you said your story. (laughs) Um, Before I ask you any more questions, can you just speak into that a bit? Because I, I found that really profound when I read it. Because as you know, from what you, how you intro the podcast, most people, when they find out I'm an astrologer, are like, okay, who should I be with then? Which is valid. And it's what, it's why most people got into astrology. You read the sign of the boy you fancy or the girl you fancy. And, you know, that's that's what people want to know. But ultimately, it's about us and relationships are reflections. And so if there's something out of balance within us, then the relationship will not attract, will not, will not work. So I can give you some insight into the type of people you already have attracted and will continue to attract but fundamentally unless you've learned the lessons from those relationships and unless you've integrated it and unless you're doing you it's a dead end Mm. so in that from that place how can we use astrology to impact our love lives in a healthier way if we're kind of like okay, I, I take that on board. I, I understand that I need to do the work on myself. So what's the next step? How can we integrate astrology to step it up? So in your horoscope, there's a, it, your horoscope is a map of the sky the night you were born or the day you were born. And so the sun will be at the top of the chart if you were born at noon. Or if you were born on a full moon, the sun will be at the bottom and the moon will be at the top and Venus and Mars and Mercury and all the planets will be there. And each of those planets has a symbolism. So Venus is what you love and how you attract people to you. Mars is how you get angry. Mercury is how you communicate, etc. And each of those planets is in a sign and that describes the site who you are. And what the key because I was so into relationships this is genuinely why I got into astrology is what we do is we project so if there is something in ourselves, sometimes so for me my son in Sagittarius is 
is in my seventh house. So I, I'd been projecting it instead of owning it. And that means I'm a Sag. I should be very international. I should be a teacher. I should be a philosopher. I should be a salesy type person. But instead of doing it, I was dating those people. I was dating foreigners. I was in long distance relationships. It would, They were always very salesy. They were always very confident. And it, I wasn't doing me. So that's it, really. You have to not be projecting it. You have to be doing it. You know what? You are explaining me. Like when people have tried to explain astrology to me, they have me for like all of two sentences before I'm like, don't get it. <laughs> like I'm someone who I like to pride myself on being, you know, relatively, um, you know, intelligent to a degree and understanding things. Did English literature, at uni, uh, English literature at uni, but for some reason there's been a block. I don't know if it's something like it scares me because it feels out of my control. And so I just go, ah, can't deal with it. Um, but you just sort of explained it to me in a way. Do you get that a lot? Do people say you kind of know how to explain it in layman's terms? Well, yeah, like you said at the beginning of the pod as well, you know, my I see my role in astrology or what I wanted to do was to bring astrology to people like me who were kind of open, interested, go to yoga, you know, a bit spiritual, but like, like let's explain it in a way that's non-mystical. I think the thing is, I don't know why, and I don't know if this is true anymore, because particularly it's like six years ago when I started doing this, this was the case, is that astrologers wanted they wouldn't bring it down. It's mm. like when you go and talk to a web designer, what yeah. I used to do in my old job, and they just start talking about pixels and you're just like, I don't know what you're on about. Like, yeah. you, use English. I don't yeah. know what pixel is. Yeah. So it's just saying it in English. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I liked. Like, that's my intention with my work because actually on the outside, it's that, it is a little bit that philosophy of sell people what they want, give them what they need. I, I on the outside, it might not seem overtly spiritual, but actually inside it is. But even with that, I... Like, I like to just speak in, like you said, plain English, make it really like a bloody idiot could understand it. Um, that sounds, just sounds a bit mean. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. No, no I do know what you mean. <laughs> Is it about translating things yes. to where people are? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you touched on Saturn Returns. And I think that I'm obviously thinking of Kagi Dunlop's um, brilliant podcast there. She's called Saturn Returns. But I, a lot of the women who follow me, it's sort of late 20s, early 30s. I'd say the majority are in that age bracket. Um, I met my fiance Joe when I was 29. So I was what 29 and a half when I met him. So could, could you just go into a bit of more about Saturn Returns? Because I think I understand it a bit, but not fully. Yeah. So, you know, on your birthday, we say many happy returns. Yes. And that is because we have done a trip around the sun. And so we've returned to where you were when you were born it's a return a Saturn return is when Saturn returns to where he was when you were born and it takes him 29 and a half years to do his lap of the sun and so at our Saturn return when we're 29 and a half ish it's he he comes round and he brings his themes like all planets in astrology have their theme Saturn's theme is lord of karma he, he is about time he rules time he's chronos in greek so anything like chronic you know to do with time and he says, what have you been doing with your life? Like, clock's ticking. You want more responsibility. Do you want a promotion, a marriage, a house, a baby, a dog, a business, a, a whatever? Or have you been trying to, have you been living someone else's authority? And have you been, did you go and study law because someone wanted you to? And then you get to 29 and you're like, 
what is this? Or you got married and then you get to 29, you're like, oh, this was a mistake. And so by the same token, if it was wrong, you'll feel it very, very deeply. Mm -hmm. So it's a time of people really, really growing and yep, getting engaged. And it's a time of people getting quite depressed. But in a way that is Saturn saying, come on, get it, grow a backbone because Saturn rules bones. And what happens? So, what, so when does it end? The Saturn returns. Yeah, Thirty, let's say. Okay, so it's it's actually quite a short, a shorter window. It, de- it depends if it retrogrades. It's like a year, and you could say, "How old are you?" I'm now thirty-five. So you've got Saturn in Sagittarius, do you? I'll check in a second. Should I check? Do you want your child? Yeah, something weird is going on at the moment, and it's really weird. I'm speaking to you today because there's been a big a big shift in mine and Joe's relationship that links to all of this as well. It's bizarre. So I don't know. I, it's bizarre. I'm wrong you say, like, what is going on? The, well, yeah, Mercury retrograde. It's time to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that as well. In, in Libra, <laughs> the sign of relationship. So there's a lot of rethinking. Anyway, go on. Tell me your DOB. So DOB is 11th of February, 86. Oh, <laughs> oh no. What? <laughs> what? What was the knowing nod? <laughs> no, wait, I, know, I know a few people with this birthday. And what time? Um, I think it was 7, 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 in the morning. In London? Yes. In Kingston upon Thames, to be precise. Okay, nice. Nice Venus, Jupiter. Okay, so yeah, you're in Aquarius, rising Aquarius, Venus, Aquarius, Jupiter, Aquarius. Um, but you do have Saturn in Sagittarius. So that was, um, there was a brief, there was three months in... March 2015 to June 2015 and then October 2015 until December the 21st, 2017. That was your Saturn return. So that was the whole of Saturn in Sagittarius. and But your Saturn return will have been sort of early to mid-2016. Oh, how interesting. So that's when the inner fix came out. Oh, yeah, my first book with my business partner. Yeah, makes sense because your Saturn is in the ninth house and it's in Sagittarius and both of those things are to do with publishing. What? Yeah, what? So, so Sag, I just said I'm a Sag. So Sag is about, you know, philosophy, travel, beliefs, ideas. It's like sharing your stuff. Sharing. Right. But, but also rules publishing. It's one of the things. And the ninth house rules publishing. So it's kind of very strong in your chart that writing, broadcasting, teaching, publishing, selling... All of the traveling, all of those things are strong in you as well. Mm. God, how fascinating. So do you know what? I read, um, I was on a retreat. It's a retreat I talk about at the very opening of my new book, Love is Coming. And it was um, essentially like a DMT ayahuasca retreat. And just before we went into the yurt, <laughs> there was, it was at the sort of shaman's house, um, like house in Bath, beautiful. And there was this huge book. You'll probably know, it. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like this. And it, it went through like all of the possibilities of like relationship combinations between star signs. And I looked up Aquarius and Leo. So Joe's a Leo. And I was just like, I couldn't believe how specific and accurate it was. <laughs> that was one thing that made me be like, oh God, there must, maybe there is something in this. Like it's it's actually a lot more, I think I'd written it off as being kind of super woo-woo, but there, there's a lot of logic in it. There's a lot of rationale in it. Loads. 
loads. And there's a lot of astrologers who got into astrology because they were like, I'm going to prove this is rubbish. Really? And then, particularly Aquarian astrologers, actually. And then, they, you know, you get the books and they start doing people they know's charts and being like, ah, oh, <laughs> this God. works. Yeah. It's so annoying. Because it, it, it does work. You mm-hmm. can't deny If you can read people, that's the thing. You have to be able to read people. And we can all... Yeah. We all read people all the time. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you can do that. And Aquarius and Leo are six months apart. And that's basically it, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's a tract. Yeah. So so can you talk a bit more about that? Because that's, I mean, that's what everyone's going to be listening to this episode for, for, let's be honest. Which sign should I be with? Like, what is the, what's your first immediate response to that question? People who are the same as us or people who are opposite to us. And and you have to use the whole chart. So for you, you've got three or four points in Aquarius. Therefore, the Leo thing is going to be strong because you're it's north and south. So if your Aquarius is here, his his Leo is opposite. So that's a very right. strong magnetic pull. You've got Venus in Aquarius. He's a Leo. Venus is the planet of love. So you often find that. Now... I, when I've done this as an event, for instance, there'll be a Pisces woman who's got Venus in Aquarius. And she said, oh, I've only ever dated Leos. And it's like, well, yeah, because your Venus is in Aquarius. That's why. The Venus really does indicate a lot because Venus is the planet of what we value and what we love, how we attract people to us and what we are attracted to in others. So the opposite thing works. Plus, you've got a fair whack of Sagittarius. So the Sagittarius-Gemini axis, I would imagine, will be quite strong in your lovers too. And then you've got your moon in Pisces. And the moon is your fundamental needs. So you would hope that your moon is talking to something in Joe's chart, as in it's the same as, or it's opposite. Or So you've got the moon in Pisces, which is water. Mm-hmm. Therefore, hopefully he's got some water knocking around in his chart. That is gentle, intuitive, soothing, sensitive, um, emotionally intelligent. Well, it's interesting. I don't know if that's in his chart, but that's certainly him. <laughs> like he he is absolutely those things. And um, gosh, it, it is getting more fascinating to me, Francesca. <laughs> what is going on? It's fascinating. <laughs> so what other what other things can be useful when it comes to I I mean, do, do you find that some people like will write people off and go, you're the wrong sign that I'm looking for? Well, I definitely used to do that. <laughs> yes. And because I really believed in astrology and I knew there was something yeah. in it. Um, so for instance, when I was living in Rome and I was 23 or four, and I remember being I was very drunk and dramatic and being in a club and there were like two guys, I couldn't decide which one I liked. And one was a Sagittarius and one was a Virgo and I'm a Sagittarius. And I was like, I should obviously be with the Sagittarius because fire to fire. Um, but now knowing what I know that my moon is in earth and my Venus is in earth, it makes sense. That's why I prefer earth because what you mm. love is your Venus and I love mm. earth. So, you, so it's quite dangerous. A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. And I was a perfect example of that in my twenties. Yes. Right. Oh, I think, I think we can probably all relate to that. So, oh, what was the other question? Okay. Layman's terms. You may have already said this and I've missed it. So why, how can this affect us? Like where the position of the planets were at the time of our birth, like how come that can have such an impact on our personalities and what we love and don't love, et cetera? The general consensus is that when we take our first breath, we ionize ourselves, our our etheric body, our bodies, but ultimately science fails astrology. 
there isn't yet the terminology, there hasn't been the research to understand why all the planets, or if there has been the research, they haven't shared it with us, mm-hmm. which could be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, because gravity existed before gravity was defined. Yes. The the moon affected the tides before any scientist put that in a paper. And mm-hmm. so what we have with astrology is the empirical data and the evidence and the ability to read, discern and predict where astrologers all over the world predict and understand things with their own twist, their own flavor, their own bias. But nonetheless, astrologers globally, we all see that Mercury retrograde square to Pluto is going to do X, Y, Z. So we, we can do that, but there isn't the scientific language to be like this is why Mm. why is it that us humans it's like we can't if we can't formulize it and put it into those words then it's just not true I think that's a modern day brainwashing we've grown up with Mm -hmm. I I think it's since the enlightenment and the 17th century where they were like, oh astrology and astronomy used to be one thing then they split it off we don't want god anymore we just want science that it, we're just at a phase in history and it's not a pr- particularly progressive phase. Just like as the Renaissance was a brilliant revival of the ancient Greek wisdom and they'd had a lot of middle-aged sort of nonsense mm-hmm. prior to that, the enlightenment of where we are now, we are not as advanced and brilliant as we think we are. We are mm. completely held back. By? Uh, science being the new religion. Yes, it's okay. I I wasn't going to go there, but I can't not go there. <laughs> that feels very pertinent to the context we find ourselves in right now mm-hmm. in terms of this bloody pandemic. I can mm. say the words because Instagram can't take me down because we're obsessed. <laughs> 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 you never know. Maybe they're listening in. They probably are. They probably are. There. Um, so, so how, okay. How is this all, or how, from your perspective, is all of this playing out um, with everything that's been going on with COVID? Like, has this been predicted astrologically? Yeah, so the Saturn-Pluto conjunction was a, was a big deal because Saturn moves, takes 29 years to do his lap, but Pluto takes 248 years. And because of that, they don't meet all that often. And they hadn't met in Capricorn properly, hardcore. The, the Industrial Revolution almost, but the the Protestant Reformation was the last time they met. And so astrologers, I've been going to conferences since 2016, 2017, and we'd been trying to work out what is going to happen when Lord of Karma and God of the Underworld meet in the sky. We don't say it like that, but I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, that's essentially what it is. Two very strong planets that impact our psyche in that way. And so if you look at the Reformation being the time the Catholic Church was taken down, what is the most powerful thing in our society? So we were all predicting and we we're like, it's going to be the banks. Surely it'll be the banks. The banks are going to fail. There's going to be a run on the banks. Then I was like, maybe it's the media. When Caroline Flack died, that was a, a month after this conjunction. And, the, you know, everyone was hashtagging, would it be kind? Yeah. And because of the way the media onslaught. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe the media is the big power. I'm starting to think big pharma is the biggest power. Mm. I keep changing it. I start with banks and I was media, now I'm big pharma. But it's it's something very, very powerful that is due a crumbling. Yes. And it's so, I mean, the thing is, and I know we're kind of, 
I will find a way to seamlessly bring this back to the topic of love. But I'm interested to see where where we'll come out when we go back to love. Having gone here, um, it's just so hard not to, and it's so fascinating talking to you. Um, so with COVID, there's you know, okay, this is linked to relationships completely. The division. The division that's going on, I'm like, bloody bring back Brexit. Like, like yeah. Brexit was easier than this. We thought that was the worst thing ever. Um, you know, 2016 is when crazy shit, like, well, 2012 was the big sort of the world's going to end. Interestingly, 2012 is when I changed my career and got into essentially spiritual work. So for me, it was a very significant time. And 2012, yeah, you know, it, it does feel like it. that's when there was a big shift and stuff started to change. 2016, obviously, a certain person became president, which was quite controversial at the time. Um, and it, it does feel like there's just been this build up, build up, build up, build up to to this huge thing, which turned out to be um, to be COVID. I, I weirdly had a very strong premonition of this in 2019 in a plant medicine experience. Obviously, I didn't mm. know it was this thing called COVID, but I saw all of this. shit. It was so bizarre. Um, and what's resulted sadly is just so much division, division between families, like, like people now dating apps, um, people putting whether they are vaccinated or unvaccinated, some apps insisting upon it. Mm. Um, I yeah, just and you can't say I'm not, it, you can say you're not yet vaccinated. You can't say not getting a vaccine. Mm. Carry on. Yeah. And, and this is it. And like, you know, I just did, I said to you before, I did, I just got back from my first trip away. I went to New York for a friend's wedding and oh my God, the bureaucracy and all the, all the stuff you have to do. And, and just the division of, you know, people at that, um, even at the wedding, it was like, it's just assumed that you've had it or that you believe a certain thing. And I'm not interested in, in the, the hate that's been going on and the judgment and the nastiness. I completely understand why people have different perspectives completely. But I, I'm interested to hear your perspective of like, what is this division about? Because it feels like, I mean, is this, it's like a bit like a relationship and or heartbreak where, you know, two things collide and it all explodes and, and it's a tearing apart and it's horrific when you're going through it, but then you come out the other side, you know, I have this career because of this. I have this relationship because of the, a heartbreak, horrific heartbreak. The best things in my life have come from going through absolute shit. And I'm really hoping that is the case with this. So what is what are your thoughts on that? I would like to think that for sure. And we've got Pluto at the end of Capricorn until 2023. And so oh, he's no. he's going to be doing a number on the, the breaking down of Cap Capricorn is about hierarchy, structure, business, government, you know, top-down leadership. So with the next few years, there is going to be a crumbling of the way things were. Other things going on is Saturn is square to Uranus this year, 17th of Feb, 14th of June, and Christmas Eve are the three times that's going to happen in 2021. And that's the division. That's the splitting. That's the old way versus the new way, the, the traditionalist versus the technology-focused futurists. And so that's the split. The split wasn't that evident, obviously, in 2020. 2020 was more about, the, yeah, the big power, the big... Well, we'll see. I still haven't completely defined it. And is it going to get better? What are we getting out of this? The other, the one more thing is that Neptune's at 20 degrees of Pisces, 21 degrees of Pisces. Someone sent me this the other day. And so it's, it was at the same try place at the Salem Witch Trials and mm. something else. And so Neptune and Pisces is all about, Pisces rules 
drunk drink and drugs and confusion and fog and haze and mysticism and art and music and everything being a bit blurry and so there is this kind of uh, victim and panic and hysteria mm-hmm. which is so there's a few things going on. We've got a level of just panic and hysteria and, mm-hmm. and wanting to just scapegoat people in a way that's very unreasonable but seems like logical. And then we've got this splitting. I, what's strange is the lack of, if the, and the brainwashing, I think, because mm-hmm. there's, there's just no, people aren't reading anything. It's, it's a very strange time. Mm. Yeah, and I, I don't actually... Uh, I personally experienced like 2020, like obviously every year has its problems. But when I look back at 2020, I was like, oh, that was a breeze compared to this year. I knew and most it would be. I never said that. I what? knew it was. Really? I love 2020. This time last year, I was I was drinking in all of 2020. I loved it. I was not looking forward to this. This looked like what it is. It's shit. <laughs> Absolute shit. It's too Aquarius. Saturn and Jupiter moved to Aquarius. So you're very Aquarian, so it's quite interesting. And so am I, in a way. But Aquarius is, at worst, the evil genius. So if, if Capricorn... At worst. At oh, best... <laughs> at, you know, at best, very humanitarian, wants equality for everybody takes everybody at face value wants to know you on your merits doesn't judge you doesn't care about how much money you've got your education where you've come from it's like people focused human focused community include everyone um what information can you bring let's share information let's all just be like it's not particularly emotional it's not particularly judgmental or bitchy it's just very flat that's Aquarius at best Aquarius at worst you take all those things and you create communism rules regulations political correctness we must all be the same we must all think the same so and we've got Saturn in Aquarius at the at the moment and Saturn is actually you know he's fear and he's pain and he's restriction and so and George Orwell had Saturn in Aquarius and and so George Orwell was writing from his his Saturn from his pain and everything that he wrote in 1984 and Animal Farm was sort of like the dark side of Aquarius mm. and we are the, the political correctness the censorship the you know the the data surveillance and all of that was very obvious that when we moved into more Aquarian territory that was what we were going to get mm. and that certainly feels. I mean, it does feel very 1984, doesn't it, at the moment? And what's weird is people accepting it. I don't understand why mm. people are like, oh, sure, vaccine passports. Even mm. whichever position you stand on that, like, what's with the passports? Yeah. Particularly as it doesn't prevent transmission. You're having a vaccine that protects you, sweet, if you believe that. And it doesn't prevent transmission. So what the hell would you yeah. want a passport for? There is no logic and it's a slippery slope and people don't understand. It's not yeah. going to stop here. It's not going to stop with this. It's this and then that. And then if you drink and you smoke, you won't be able to have your health care and you won't be able to get your, um, you know, universal basic income or your your money. If you live off the state, if you are on benefits, you won't be able to claim your benefits if you aren't behaving and mm. it's a slippery slope, it's not going to stop. Why would it stop mm. if you're giving your power away? Mm-hmm. It, uh. Yeah. Well, I, t- I totally feel the same, but then the other side is nothing has been talked about, about health, about, mm. you know, what might help us. Maybe, maybe we should all think about um, looking after our health because we've seen the data 
of of who has been dying or getting seriously sick from this. But it's so it's confusing. It, it's very confusing because some of this, you know, what's being argued you so much is like the logic. But but I'm like, but but it seems so illogical, or at least a lot of it seems so illogical. And people who I consider very logical, intelligent people seem to be missing that, but arguing for this. Do you know what I mean? It's confusing. And the question is, is 2022 going to be better? Because it's, you know, got loads of twos in it. That's what I'm holding on to. When I started writing about 2022, I write a moon journal, like new moon, full moon, all the quarter moons. And I got to April 2022. That was when I was like, I, I started being more vocal about people's need to sort of Try, trying to share, trying to like do polls on Instagram, get the conversation moving in a way that sometimes I can be quite passionate, but I try to be Aquarian about it and just, you know, be level because I don't like the look of it. No, the, the nodes move to Taurus and Scorpio. There's a lunar eclipse in Scorpio next April, which is opposite Uranus. Um, Uranus is the planet of shocks and revelations and, and cutting things off. And I, I just... I would love to think at best that there's a big spiritual awakening next year, that people are very, very kind, that there is more compassion, that there is, that there is uh, yeah, unity and a feeling of celebration. That's at best. And we always have to work towards what's best. But at worst, there's just more fear, like extreme, extremes amount of panic and upset and and sadness mm. and and then not the resources our resources are just going to be really questionable in fact we'll know more because there's a lunar eclipse in Taurus on the 19th of November this year right so what whatever happens this November is going to really inform us about next year but the food and resources as we already have in the headlines as I have been talking about I've been but we've been talking about this for over a year mm-hmm. and and everything that the conspiracy theorists think is is panning out. And it's just, it's such a strange, it's a strange time to live through. It's a very strange time to be an astrologer. Because mm-hmm. as you said, I was looking at this this time last year being like, I don't like the look of that at all. I look at next year and I'm like, uh, particularly in the USA. USA is going to be much worse next year. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, so what do we but, do? Yeah, exactly. But the good side is um, the, the more authentic relationships we're building with people, um, the ability for us to feel empowered, to realize that we've had more control our whole life, because I definitely grew up sort of mindlessly just thinking, yeah, these are the rules, like going along with it. And now being like, okay, no, who who elected these people to governors? And it... It's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong sometimes. Some of the rules that we've been living, um, at, we've become accustomed to are flawed. And like you say, nobody's thinking about health. Health is something huge. So I've, I'm, I've studied medical astrology as well. And mm-hmm. I studied herbal medicine. And a, a big move I am doing is creating events and bring people together and putting on panels and showing people how to help support their health and just because what can we do we, I can't sit here and talk about things that I find negative 
and speculate about things that mm-hmm. I find negative because speculating is is setting an intention to a certain extent. And if I sit here and ponder all the things that could go wrong, that's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. What we really need to do is like, what can we do? Okay, Taurus and Scorpio, let's focus on food, health, nutrition, resources, meditation, connection, kindness, charitable things where we take the we take the power into our own hands and we lead and let natural leaders lead not elected leaders lead Mm. oh I like that oh how do you know if someone or you are a natural leader because you'll just get on with it Mm. you can't not yeah and people will respond but if if people and it, it doesn't have to be big one big leader yes it's in your community, someone who's just getting on with it, works with people in a way that it it's easy. And it's, you know, they, they, you know what it's like if you've ever worked in an office or in a committee, there's just, there are people who are like, all right, guys, we've got five more minutes, let's get on with it. And there are people who just don't do that. They've got a different skill. They're creative or they're this or they're that. Mm-hmm. And so it's about putting the, just letting the natural course of things Mm-hmm. instead because you know anybody who's worked in an office there'll be somebody who gets promoted and you're like you know why is this person getting promoted and it's because of whatever there's it's it's never been flat it's never been fair then there's perhaps somebody who's better but they get overlooked because they're not annoying and noisy and demanding and they don't take the boss out for lunch and have a fag with them or whatever mm-hmm. so it's not it's been corrupted slightly mm-hmm. it's it's allowing it to be like i'm going to listen to you proper feedback as well because mm-hmm. a, a natural leader will listen mm-hmm. yes yes okay which is a nice segue in back into dating and relationships a very important quality in both is listening what does this mean for dating what does it mean for relationships we're going into increasingly uh more turbulent choppy waters how let's start with dating because they are two they're kind of same, same, but different. Hmm. Dating. I have a lot of uh, single women who listen to this podcast and I don't want to, you know, I I want to give them all hope because what I've seen in my work over the last, the craziness of the past 18 months is yes, there's been a lot of breaking up and all of that, but there's, there's been a revolution in dating for those who are available to it. And what I've seen is because it's if you're willing to do the work and go inward and show up in your love life in a different way, which is to say, be vulnerable, tell the truth about who you are. How do you want to show up in this experience? What do you now, you can't deny anymore, you know, what you really want. What do you, you know, it's about telling the fucking truth. That's why I have the relationship I have today because I just got to the point where I was like, it doesn't work not telling the truth. It doesn't work putting on a performance. So have you got any thoughts around dating, whether from your own experience or just generally? No. <laughs> I mean, we've got to be honest. I don't, I've never really dated. Like, I've tried. I've been on, I went on the apps a few times. I'm, I'm tempted to prefer to cross paths, which probably is lazy of me. I don't know. Maybe I should be more like get on the apps. I just, I just don't like it mm-hmm. and whatever. But whenever I've been on dates, I end up working as well. Right. So I, I end up reading somebody's chart and then just kind of, I, as well because I have very intimate conversations for a living with strangers, I'm yeah. I'm not nervous and I'm very, just always like, okay, that was nice, but nah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
yeah there's either passion or there's not anyway so for other people you know you're gonna have to help me here ask me some questions because I don't, I don't know okay 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 so <laughs> so I'll, I'm now just gonna be nosy so have you more fallen into relationships like what's been your experience yeah, yeah I meet people and it's I just know and then their their charts will all you know there's always something Taurus Scorpio Pisces like I'm talking 23 degrees Pisces a moon anywhere in Taurus planets around 22 degrees Scorpio and moon around 18 degrees Gemini over Mm. and over and over and over Mm. again and I think what I wasn't learning and that's the that's something that I have learned this year is that all those relationships were reflecting back at me things about myself my life my upbringing that I hadn't seen yeah and and so you that's what's going on if you are repeating types over and over again then there's something in you that you're not seeing yes 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 so from an astrological perspective what can you do to start seeing and to make changes to get out of that rut and that pattern dig you need you know you probably have a reading with an astrologer which it should that a consultation I do two sorts of readings I do for now a consultation and a just a like a intuitive read and the consultations start with a 45 minute at least case study like of your life which will bring your chart to life and then we can read from there because we need I need to hear the assumptions you have, which will be revealed in the chart and then be able to challenge some of those assumptions. Mm. So it's, um, it's interesting because it seems like we, we do very similar things, but from de- very different perspectives. Um, because I'll, with my clients, I'll look very much back at childhood. I'm not looking at the stars and the planets, but I'm looking at childhood. I'm looking at what, you know, for whatever reason has manifested in their life, looking at the parents, looking at school, all of that, and how that has created a set of beliefs and expectations that they go on to project into their love life going forwards. And I was, you know, my my biggest case study, and I find it so fascinating. So, um, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, God, it's interesting, isn't it? So, okay, so it's about digging, it's about inquiry, it's about going inward. And what's the what's been the biggest lesson that astrology, if you haven't already said it, or is there anything else that you haven't said, has given you personally in your own romantic life? The biggest lesson. I think the projection thing that I already said and codependency. Mm. Speak more on that because that's a very big theme in my work. I even wrote a song called Codependency. (laughs) Wrote a song? (laughs) Yeah, I've written many, written a whole album's worth. I'm actually... I'm getting back into singing, I'm getting back into singing. So That's was... your Mercury and Moon in Pisces. Oh, is it? Is yes. it? Yeah, well, Mercury, Mercury is how you communicate and Pisces is music. And you've got it at zero Pisces, so you're quite intuitive as well, I presume you yes. know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, a touch on the psychic side. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Codependency, you can see in the chart via Saturn aspects, planets in the seventh house, 
Cancer, Libra, Pisces, Neptune, etc. If that means anything to you, it doesn't matter if it doesn't. But I have been looking at it and I have learned to see the patterns. And then I saw that in myself. And it's a people pleasing mm-hmm. and making sure, uh, prioritizing other people, basically, which is something mm-hmm. that you can see in the chart that someone might have a tendency toward doing that. I would never put, I would never assume, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I will, you know, it, if I can see it in the chart, I'll be able to poke at it. So can that be linked to the planets and stars? Oh, yes. Yeah. In in what way? Like, are there certain? It's your disposition. If you're given a disposition that is focused on other people and needs you to have relationships to feel whole, then you will automatically bend over backwards to keep those relationships. So it will manifest. If, you're, if you've got a chart that's incredibly self-directed and self-focused, then also, you know, you get, you get something else from that. But you, you will see that in the chart too. Yes. Well, I've definitely got, must have a lot of codependency in mind and it's something I've been working on so much. And it's funny because I worked on it so much in the realm of relationships and there's still code, 100% codependency, um, but much, you know, much better than it was. But but I've had to work on it in my female relationships. In fact, that's something. Yes. Can we talk about let's that? Let's go there. Yeah, let's go there because that's what I've been doing for the past few years, looking at relationships with women. And I'll tell you what, it makes my romantic stuff look like a walking yes. park. What's that about? <laughs> I think because we never knew to look at it. And I think for me, I, they started to feel a bit icky because, you know, you say something and it, it's just with a group of women who are just desperate to like put you right. That's what we do. That's I yeah. think that's what we've watched in films. That's what we thought female relationships were. You know, they were an opportunity to moan and then tell each other how right we are. And, and then... Okay, as well, Venus. So Venus is the woman. Venus is what we value. Venus is the planet of relating. She rules Libra and Taurus. Taurus is more about sex, but Libra is a sign of relationships. Venus is hugely important. And Venus in our chart is who we are as a woman and our relationships with women, any transits to our Venus. So planets in the sky currently mathematically aligning with our natal Venus will do stuff to our female relationships. And I think Venus is huge for comparison envy jealousy Mm. competition and we've all seen the um motivational instagram posts where you know don't you know a flower doesn't compete it just blooms Mm -hmm. and that's what we all need to do we all need to bloom Mm -hmm. but we when we don't i've literally just written an article on this because we all have our venus but some of us have an exalted venus and pisces and some of us have a tricky venus in something else with a very tricky aspect and so we can get an element of competition and envy and i think that isn't spoken about i think comparison is spoke about and like oh yeah if, if you see something that triggers you that just means you want to do it go and do it no not necessarily if it triggers you then sorry but not always it's not always for you it's hers <laughs> you celebrate her when it's her turn and you and you know it's like how we all how in short at school they don't let the children win the race anymore they all just get a medal we have to allow each other to shine when it's our time and I it's anyway I've been doing a lot of 
work on it because ultimately jealousy is natural and it's not it's difficult and it's not yeah. pleasant and but we can't sort of delete it mm. it's so interesting because I've yeah I've written quite a few chapters on on this exact thing in in my book love is coming like particularly around you know friends this is one of the main things women come and work with me particularly very successful women in their career all my friends are engaged married pregnant I'm the last one I feel like a failure and the 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 feelings the intense jealousy and I've I've been on both sides of it you know my best friend who I wrote the inner fix with um at the time she got engaged two weeks after I got dumped and then I had it the other way around when I got engaged in 2019. So it's, it's really interesting. It's that thing of when it's your turn. Like I've experienced insane jealousy um, and competitiveness and comparison in relation to, I would say, my, like career. Yeah, career, 100%. Um, and it's so interesting. And, and I think that these are areas that us women don't want to talk about, like even less so than the romantic stuff. Like... I, what is that? Why are we so afraid to own our jealousy? It's taboo. Mm. I think. I, it's We just don't. It's it's so... I think it's so huge for women at, you know, in our 30s and 20s and 40s, but maybe particularly at this age when people are getting engaged. Some people are doing their career and some people are doing family life. And it's... Mm-hmm. And both... Maybe we've been set up by the media. Again, we've been set up our whole lives to think it's mm-hmm. a massive deal, maybe bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. I what What do you think from working with people? How do you remedy it when you're coaching people? Own it. Own it. Because the biggest thing is, do you know what? I learned this from friends. <laughs> Can you believe? <laughs> I learned this from friends. Monica... And Rachel, in that episode, the thunder stealing one, where uh. <clears throat> Monica gets engaged to Chandler and then, sorry, spoiler alert, anyone, if you haven't seen this episode, <laughs> you need to get a life, you need to watch it. Um, and Rachel kisses Ross in the hallway and I think Monica sees or something. And then there's this whole like, you're stealing my thunder thing. And they have their stupid drama. And then at the end, <clears throat> basically, I can't remember what happens, but but the, what it rounds up in, they make up Monica and Rachel make up and Rachel goes I'm so sorry listen I actually get emotional when I say this I'm so happy for you and Chandler I'm so happy for you Monica but the thing is it just shines a light on the fact that I'm not getting engaged I'm not even close and then they make up because she owns it I have never seen a woman do that um, and that's why I've that's what I've had to really be working on. And in fact, I have, particularly this year, I have had those conversations and said to my friend, I'm really sorry, I was really triggered and I was really jealous. And it's not about you. I'm so fucking happy for you. But it's my own insecurities and my sense of feeling like a failure. And my God, the fuzzy, the sense of relief and the love that you can then connect again, your sisters again. And you're not like, like, you know, putting on this thing like, I don't care, it's fine. And then making out it's about something else. No, it isn't. Because it's never about the other person. It's always about ourselves. And so it's just, it's like anything. It's what I teach with my approach to relationships. How about just own it? If the guy does something that triggers you and upsets you, don't go and blame it all on him and just but own how you feel. Mm. Own how you feel. And it's amazing what that vulnerability, how that vulnerability then breeds intimacy. And I think it's the solution with everything, but it's the thing that when I tell women this, 
they're like, you know, firstly in their love lives, but also in their their female friendships or family relationships. They're like, oh, possibly, I could possibly. I'm like, what? Tell the truth. <laughs> they're like, yeah, no way. Because that's what, again, that's what our cult is like. It's so not safe. Because if I say that, it feels like you're going to die. But actually, what you're going to do is connect. What about if it's the other way around? And there's people jealous of you and you're like, how the fuck do I diffuse this? Okay, well, I've I've experienced that as well. And the hard thing with that is that I've had people say, you do know that she's jealous of you and that's why she's being like that. And I go, oh no, why would she? Because I'm going, why would she be jealous of me? Look at her. Look at, she's, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, like, I it's taken me a lot to comprehend. It's like, well, it's because maybe I have something that they want and it's or often been a relationship. Or, or, or perceived, yeah. perceived. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't have any idea. And so what I've had to do because I, and, and I guess it's been like, you know, some very bizarre behavior that makes me go. Yeah, maybe they are. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not me being it's not me being arrogant. It's that I've behaved weirdly like that when I've been jealous in the past. Mm. And so it's like trying to navigate the conversation without saying you're clearly jealous of me because that doesn't go down well. <laughs> but it's asking and saying, listen, like what's going on? Like and being a safe space. And, and, you know, it, you know, I haven't perfected that, you know, to, to try and say, listen, I don't know if this is it. I could be wrong. But when I went through, I went through something similar in that situation and I felt feelings that, that perhaps you're feeling now, maybe you're not. So I always give them a way out. If they're not ready to go there, then I can go, okay, that's fine. But it's the energy that you come to it and you have to really watch the patronization, (laughs) that conversation, but it's, it's, and often, because if you give them a way out, they don't feel backed into a corner and like you're judging them and going, you're jealous of me. Um, then that, which is not a kind way to show up. Then so often, like they actually go, well, you know, I have been, you know, and they start to soften. And with, what about love relationships when there's jealousy not like jealousy that they're fancying someone else but like jealousy of the partner do you know that's so interesting so I haven't really experienced like do you mean like okay I, I've got a few clients who've had boyfriends be jealous of their career success yes. which is very interesting for a man and it, and it and actually in many cases it's broken down the relationship I've not really experienced that much in my own um my own personal relationships that's not been the, the particular wound mm. um but yeah I, I actually have to say I think that's one of the hardest because it can make a man feel emasculated but what the lesson has been is I've seen those clients or friends essentially shrink themselves to not make the man feel insecure and I'm like that's never going to work Mm. So it's either like, you know, again, it comes back to having the honest conversation, but not then over being like, oh, but you're really great too, which goes into the patronization, (laughs) makes the man feel even worse. It's like like mum giving me a pat on the back for like coming eighth in the egg and spoon race. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So so sometimes it's like, this is not going to be compatible because you can't handle it. And I'm very grateful that I don't have to deal with that in my relationship. I think, I, I, and I feel sorry for men because I think, listen, as much shit as us women have to deal with men, like I, I would rather be a woman than a man today. A hundred percent. That's my personal experience. I think men, you know, the suicide rates, uh, all of like the, the like us women, we can have these conversations a lot easier yeah. than men can. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think you know in in a nutshell everything I've just wobbled on about it comes down to compassion. Compassion for ourselves and compassion for one another and realizing you know what we're all doing our best even if we're doing a fucking shitty job we're doing our best. 
Yeah. But it's just so interesting to ask you that because I am really like coming back to female relationships and mm. like what's been going on there. I, it's all Venus stuff and being able to value ourselves. And if we can fully be comfortable with who we are, which is why I, you know, you do your astrology chart and be like, look, you've got all these gifts and talents. This is, this is maybe difficult for you right now. You may not be feeling that brilliant. That's the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. we, it's not a static thing. Alberto isn't static. It's always being triggered by what's in the sky. And sometimes it will be deflated and sometimes it will be polished and full and lush. And, and that's life. We, we, we ebb and we flow. But if we can all, if, if when we're feeling good, then go for it. And yeah, compassion for yourself. And then compact, which will facilitate compassion for others. But when you said before about your relationships over the past 18 months, what did, what did you mean? Is it the conversations or the experiences or? Uh, well, in terms of, as in what had been fizzing up and kind of, yeah. Oh, with, you mean with women? Mm. Um, a big thing was, I'll be honest. So while I got engaged over two years ago, I got engaged in 20, May, 2019. And that definitely rocked things in certain friendships in the same way that when close friends of mine got engaged in the past, it rocked things in our relationship. Um, and then interestingly, obviously COVID happened. So the wedding has got delayed twice now. And I, that's why I was like, oh God, is she oh, you're not married? Get? Well, it's supposed to be next year, but I mean, <laughs> third time lucky. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a reason um, for the delay. And, and actually, you know, me and Joe are not in the same place in our relationship or even in ourselves that we were. I don't think anyone is pre-COVID. No. So I'm really grateful. I actually wrote about that in, in Love is Coming as well, but it's like, so, uh, you know, it's a mixture of the engagement, the wedding not happening, the um, COVID, my career kind of, I guess, going from strength to strength of my career being linked to relationships and me coaching women around it. It's it's all been sort of a melting pot. Um, and I've, I've had to really look at all these themes and go, right, how do I want to show up? Because my, my um, biggest struggles in female relationships has been like I've been terrified of conflict like I don't find conflict with men hard I find conflict I love conflict with men it's like my favorite thing I'm like right come on then conflict with women I'm like and I like you know I become like a little mouse and like retract into myself and it terrifies me because, because I find female energy so much more powerful the male energy yeah it's complicated isn't it yeah I mean, we could go into that one for hours, but I know we really could. <laughs> um, you know, from just from your natal placements as well, you you've got so there's yin and yang, masculine and feminine, positive and negative. So the air signs and the fire signs are positive, macho, and the the and the water and the earth are yin. And you've got the moon in Pisces, which is very yin, but you're an Aquarius, which is very yang. And so, yeah, it's, and you're Mars and Sagittarius. So it suggests that, yeah, you're kind of rough and tumble. One of the lads, you know, quite thick skinned to a certain extent, but then there's another side to you that's like, not. Yes. <laughs> Super sensitive and like will cry immediately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no boundaries really, very, very compassionate, mm-hmm. very, very open, very, very sensitive. And it's, so that's a juxtaposition of perhaps how you handle your male energy, but then the softness and the, you know, it just melts mm. with, when you're interacting from a more lunar yin place. Mm. What were you saying? 
<laughs> I don't even know. Okay, so in a nutshell, what I've had to learn to do is actually be softer with men in many, uh-huh. well, certainly inside relationships and stronger with women. And that's why I love being a coach to women because I am, I'm assuming the masculine energy essentially in that role. And so I feel empowered and it feels much safer. I've, I've had a few tricky clients um, and I'm sure I triggered the hell out of them. And, and even though at the time I was like, oh, this is awful. And then you, you know, go into the people pleasing of like, oh my God, am I doing a terrible job? I'm like, well, actually this is probably the biggest lesson for, for both of us and how ready are you to step into it? Um, and I've had coaches who have triggered me. And again, at the time I was like, well, this is wrong. And it's like, well, actually maybe this is just exactly what you need to work mm. through your shit. Mm. Um, so, so with me, it has certainly been the, the past year or two where I've been like, I have to speak up and not do what I coach so many of the women to do in romantic relationships. Don't sweep things under the carpet, speak mm. up, but learn how to do it so um, hard though isn't it in a good way yeah yeah so hard because when you're triggered you it's like it's literally the fight or flight like you think you're going to die if you say it mm. and I think as well I've been used to having intense conversations with men all my life throughout all my relationships but like with women like nah mm. nope oh, it's so fascinating isn't it I could literally speak to you for 100 hours, but we're going to have to start bringing this home to land. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a few more personal questions as we wrap up. Okay. Mm. Francesca, what love life advice, astrologically relevant or not, would you give to your 15-year-old self? Stick with the earth signs. Mm. <laughs> you, you don't, I was so baffled. I had that, the first time I bought a book, it was like this tiny little book that you know you get on tills in gift shops mm-hmm. and it was like Sagittarius with all the signs I used to be reading it Sagittarius with a Capricorn and be like nah you know the the goat is so negative and I'm such an optimistic Sagittarius even though like was I I don't know but <laughs> I've got Venus in Capricorn it would have all been so easy mm. read learn your Venus sign love okay learn your Venus sign okay so what's mine again <laughs> Aquarius okay fine 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 Great. Okay. So I love, I love people's response to the next question. What's one thing you don't want people to know about you? (laughs) Um, Most things. I mean, let's, I'm, I'm very secretive. I'm very shy. I didn't really speak till I was about 15. So everything is probably a bit of a front that I've developed so much that I don't even know that it's a front. Could be. So are you, would you say that you're actually an introvert? Yes. Because I would have totally not known that. I'd been like, she's an extrovert. Yeah. I'm but not. I think, I actually think that I've been coming to this realisation that I'm like, I think I might be an introvert who's just learned from, because apparently I was super shy as a young child. And then, you know, as a lot of people say when, you know, actors are actually, not all of them, but a lot yes, of them. Yes, shy. Totally shy. And it's funny because Joe, my fiance, is, and we, I see this when we went travelling for six months, like he is an natural extrovert he will just go up to anyone as whereas I am like it it's like I go are they my sort of vibe like and if yeah okay I can I can go into that role and mm. if I'm like oh I, I don't know what to do with that person whereas Joe will just treat everyone like completely the same well, so I'm no. like I'm an introvert who's been performing extrovert all the time yeah I think that's a big discourse as well because it the it, I don't I'm not sure accept introvert or extrovert because mm. it's too buying it's too limiting yeah I mean it's just ridiculous it's, mm. so but it is a thing 
I understand that it's a thing that we can kind of latch up to and be like, okay, mm-hmm. that person's outgoing. Or, but I definitely need a lot of time alone. So do you. Yeah. But, uh, if, should I answer the question properly? <laughs> it's, it's really hard to answer a question that you just don't want to answer. <laughs> Tell one thing that you don't, maybe one thing that you don't want. How? <laughs> Maybe it's that you're like, I, ref- I, I, what I don't want you to know is that I am, um, I don't want to answer this question. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Come on. You've got to give us something. It can be a really lame one, like, you know, toilet humor level. This is where my like autism kicks in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, there you go. I didn't know that you were autistic. Are you actually? No, my mum thinks I am. She was listening to, and my, so my auntie thinks that my dad and all the family are. And then my numerology teacher, I told him and he was like, I thought you knew. And because this lady wrote a book recently, maybe you should interview her. Don't know. Um, I caught, and it was on Jeremy Vine and mum rang my sister was like, oh my God, listen to this woman. She sounds just like your sister. And just all these things. And when I was little, we used to leave someone's house and mum would be say, you know, say thanks and bye. And I was just like, no. (laughs) Basically, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't eat for years. If I don't want to do something, it's not going to happen. Right. So maybe that, there you go. Yeah, yeah, we'll let you have that one, babes. We'll let you have that one. So where can people find out more about your work, Francesca? On the Instagrams, even though I'm slightly shadow banned. So if you put in Francesca Oddi Astrology, you won't find me. But so if you put in Francesca Oddi, then you can find me there and it'll link through. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, we'll make sure. So <laughs> just remind me, I'm going to actually write this down right now. Um, so well, you have it's put... all my names. So you put in Francesca Oddi, basically. But the, the Instagram with 18,000 followers is Francesca Oddi Astrology. Right. Okay. But you can find it via hashtags and various things. And my website, which will be redone one day. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh, hello. (laughs) All the places. It's quite just my name. Francesca Roddy. Perfect. Okay. So I'm interested to see how you answer this final question. And again, maybe you want to draw on it from a sort of astrological perspective. This is the final one. Number one piece of advice for the single women listening to this who haven't yet found or met their person and are worried that they won't. You will. Life is about relationships. Some people don't want a relationship. Um, maybe they, you know, they've got a, a Venus Saturn. They've got something in their chart, and they are here in this life. Their karma is to do life alone, and that that's their thing. And they probably won't be longing for a relationship if that is their, if that is how they are, who they are. They are just alone and loving it. If you want a relationship, you will find it that. I'm not convinced about the timing mm-hmm. and um, what I believe on that. I'm not sure, but some people tell the timing's not right. I think that there is an element of letting the plant grow. So if you are 24, you've not yet had your Saturn return, you've got a lot to learn. You are a little seedling and mm-hmm. you've got to grow 
and time and experience and life is what you need to grow. Sometimes that's enough. People meet when they're 19. Some of us take longer. And that's so that's also true for us. But also being true to ourselves and seeing if we are repeating patterns, finding an astrologer or a coach or a counselor or someone who can open it up for us. Because if we are stuck in a rut, repeating, 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 we need help getting out of it. We're like a sheep on our backs. We need someone else to come and turn us over. It's very, very difficult to do alone. Life is about relationships of all kinds. And some of them are good friends and some of them are professionals, but there is knowledge out there there are people who can help you feel secure and sure and give you the confidence to be yourself more vibrantly because the more vibrant a version of yourself you are the more attractive you will be to the right partner ah mic drop that was spectacular i'm not gonna (laughs) try and say anything after that i'm already doing it i'm gonna stop talking thank you you've been a fantastic guest and um, Thank you you've, so much. You've managed to get me interested in astrology. So you're a miracle worker as well. It's Have my a- favorite topic. And you've got Venus Jupiter, which is also beautiful. You can Google Venus conjunct Jupiter, which um, only describes the fact that you work with relationships in oh, abundance. Really? Yeah. Well, thank God I'm doing the right thing. Thank God. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. I hope you all enjoyed this. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate. <laughs>